0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Platform Podcast. My guest this week is Jeff Butterworth, who is the owner of Rx Strength Training in Somerville, Massachusetts, right there in the Boston area. Fantastic facility I happened upon when I was out there visiting for my 10th wedding anniversary. Jeff is an amazing guy and really a great leader in the space, and I enjoyed this conversation so greatly because we got into some of the efforts that he's made uh, to both uh, keep his members safe as well as evolving as new data emerged on the COVID-19 outbreak and how he could run a safe facility, keep the members safe, and also try and influence local policy to make sure that all of the policy decisions were uh, intelligent and followed the most recent data. I hope you really enjoy this episode. He has been gracious enough to set up a free trial for his kettlebell fitness classes for anybody who listens to this episode, so make sure you go check out the link in the episode notes. You can do those workouts from anywhere because they're all online so uh really take advantage of that i think they're fantastic jeff is an amazing coach a great trainer uh and the workouts are going to be fantastic i can assure you of that so without further ado let's get into it please enjoy All right, welcome into this episode of The Platform Podcast. My guest today is Jeff Butterworth. He is the owner of RX Strength Training in Somerville, Massachusetts, right there in Boston. I am very excited to have him on as his gym is one of the coolest places I have ever trained. It is a powerlifting gym, an Olympic weightlifting gym, and a kettlebell sport gym, all in this awesome warehouse uh, in Somerville. I had the the luxury of getting to go in there for a training session while I was out there for my 10-year wedding anniversary on a trip to Boston. And Jeff was incredibly welcoming, and I was super, super jealous of his facility. So I was excited to have him agree to come on. Thanks for coming in, Jeff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. And we were excited to share our Strength training with you. Um, I just like having stuff and making sure other people get to play.
0: yeah you you seriously you have built one of the coolest facilities like if if I could picture in my mind what uh what a gym would look like that I want to train in that is exactly what it is like it is a warehouse that you have filled with fun equipment and really nice equipment that is clean and organized and put away in a very precise way Um, and that the members the members are serious lifters and you have like you have like just this awesome legit facility that is there to for people that want to like seriously get in shape I, I freaking love that place.
1: Oh, gee, thanks.
0: Now you guys, you guys did a lot. You guys did a lot of renovation there, right?
1: Oh yeah, totally. It's kind of one of those things that um, it's a running joke that uh, you know I've almost got it exactly the way that I want it, which is to say <laughs> that it will never be exactly the way that I want it. There's always going to be something that's going to change.
0: It's like that. It's like that perfect snatch rep, right? It's I'm I'm almost there. I just need a few thousand more. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: Then it'll be perfect until a few time. thousand
0: more tweaks, and I'll will <laughs> get it. I'll get it just. I'll get it just right. So <laughs> so tell tell us a little bit. How did how did you decide to open RX Strength? Like the process of deciding getting to open your own gym is like a dream for a lot of people. And it's a scary one at that. So tell us that story. Like, how did it come about?
1: Well, I guess the interesting thing about that for me was it's not something I necessarily saw myself doing even a year before I did it. Um, I had been working for another gym. I'd been there for almost five years. uh, And over that time, I got into a bunch of different sport disciplines. I tried weightlifting. I tried uh, basic fitness. uh, And then I really, really got into kettlebells. Uh, and it was at a time that nobody really understood kettlebells um, at this gym in Cambridge. And so we didn't have any, the owners didn't want to get me any, I just, I, but I wanted to train my clients that way. And uh, so I started buying a few here and there, you know, found one on Craigslist here when, you know, found a good deal on something there uh, before I knew it, I had a small collection of random things like a battle rope and a tire and, you know, a couple of barbells and a bunch of kettlebells that were all mine. Uh, and was kind of found that I was spinning my wheels uh, at this place, didn't really have much of a future, and just decided that it might be a little bit more fun for me to have a space, work with the people that I was already working with, and just get going out for myself. I didn't really have much of a um, much of a grand notion of what it was going to be, but I had collected a bunch of equipment, so all I needed was a little space and, took off and opened it up in this little tiny office space in Cambridge before I was lucky enough to find the, the warehouse facility we've got now
0: nice and so what's the time frame here when you <clears throat> say like nobody knew what was going on with kettlebells at the time uh <laughs> how far back are we talking
1: that's fair so that was like 2008 2009 okay um and uh, you know obviously kettlebells were around but um there was not as much of a public perception it was still a kettleball and every time you pick one up someone <laughs> says aren't you worried you're going to throw that into a mirror I'm like yeah sure They're all the time that's they they leave my hand every fifth rep <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah it's about the same time frame for me and I, I i at least had the benefit of you know here in the twin cities uh is where dragon door is headquartered so at least That's around right. here there were there were people who were familiar with it but it was the same thing you know kettleballs and i was working for for <laughs> lifetime lifetime fitness and i was like hey i want to do ke- i want to do kettlebells and at least they had at least they had like a program but they wanted everybody in lifetime fitness to do uh dragon door and they wanted everybody to use the same mm. bells and i was like no but those those bells are not my style. Like, that's not what I, that's not what I want to do. Like I want to do kettlebell right. sport. I was like, I was, and they were like, they're like, yeah, no, but that's what we'll pay for. And I was like, uh. Uh,
1: <laughs> How, and how did, you, how did the, you get into uh, kettlebell just... sport? So that I, I was in kettlebell fitness as a fitness tool, the kettlebell uh, for a long time before I got into kettlebell sport. Um, I'll be embarrassingly perfectly honest. I don't remember how I learned of the, uh, of the sport of get oh, sport, um, all I know is I all I remember is getting a whole bunch of kettlebells from at the time Muscle Driver. They were colored incorrectly. I think the twenties uh, <laughs> were green and the like the reds were sixteen or something like that. Um, and uh, um, had signed up for uh, to to do some kettlebell lifting with World Kettlebell Club at the time. Um, and Very all income, I knew was. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And he was it was great too. Um really really nice guy when I when I met him the first time um in Chicago and uh, got into the idea of long cycle. The clean and jerk was always my favorite lift and then I found out that there's this whole sport centered around my favorite lift and all it takes is a tremendous amount of suffering. Um <laughs> which I consider to be my strength. I'm not particularly strong. I'm just really good at suffering.
0: That is a that is a very valuable strength when it comes to kettlebell sport, especially uh, if you can if you can just refuse to die or refuse to quit. Uh, those are kind of two of the two of the biggest assets, especially in long cycle, in my yeah. in my humble opinion, because that that oh, one yeah. really is about suffering to,
1: to me. <laughs> just every time it goes up and comes down and goes back down and comes back up, you think can this be the last one? Can one of these just like, you know, hit me in the eye and then I can fall over with dignity.
0: Uh, So I just, I just had one of my, I just had one of my, one of my uh, athletes on for the last episode and Audrey, and she gave me a new mental trick that she, she tells herself every time. This is the last rep you ever have to do. This is the last set you ever have to do. You never have to pick them up again. (laughs) She's like, and then I just lie to myself and I just go back for the next set after I finish my rest. But I tell myself every time it's the last one I ever have to do.
1: Oh yeah. As long as your split personalities don't start to secretly discuss in your head, it should be fine. Uh, keep them in the dark about each other and one will lie to the other and you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Mine just,
0: yell, mine just yell at each other. So <laughs> it gets, noi- it gets noisy in there sometimes until it goes quiet. It gets noisy for a long time. So you, also, right, have, you also have a, a powerlifting team there, right? At, at, at RX strength, right? So you have a kettlebell sport, you have a
1: kettlebell sport team and a, and a powerlifting team, correct? Well, we've got an organized kettlebell sport team. We have a small powerlifting program, um, and so our powerlifting coach uh, now, Chris Cameron, um, is working with as many people as he possibly can, but uh, can't have that many in right now. But the two that are the most organized are the kettlebell sport team and the weightlifting team.
0: Nice. Okay. And so, how did how did that come about? Like, how is how is uh, powerlifting a big part of your gym, and and you have uh, Olympic weightlifting as well, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So the powerlifting is a, uh, we're sort of split in focus on that in that we have a bunch of people who, uh, do compete, but aren't actually part of a competitive team at our strength training, but we give them coaching, we give them the proper equipment and environment, um, anything they need. And so we've got people who compete for, um, I know USAPL USA powerlifting, and then, uh, USPA, I believe it's a, a US powerlifting association. Um, and, uh, uh, so whenever meets come up these days, you know, we uh, we support them, send them off with gear, and then, um, I don't know, cheer their success. Um, the weightlifting team is a little bit more organized. That was actually the brainchild of our um, uh, club director, Alex Ulette, who's been a friend of mine for a long time. He got into the sport of weightlifting a while back. Uh, and we uh, had a neighbor that was part of the building. It was kind of a weird I don't even know how to describe this, but it was an HVAC and consignment clothing space. I don't know much more than that, so don't ask, Uh, but we, uh, they, (laughs) it was very strange. That's an odd pair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah that yeah, was real weird you could look in there and see like lamps next to uh, you know a cooling unit and a bunch of dresses but um they uh they took off and so we had this extra thousand square feet in the front of the building um i approached the landlord uh they were interviewing people to take over the space we said we'd take it uh and spent way too much money on flooring and platforms and a whole bunch of works and barbell sets and now it's something Colorful, full and full of people and something we can be really proud of. But um, Alex has uh, Alex has built that club to be something really, really significant. Now we've got a bunch of competitive athletes. Um, a number of them were really looking forward to regionals and trying to qualify for um, uh, the American Open series uh, when this whole pandemic thing came down. And so while they've been consistently training and doing their videos and submissions and like that, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation for them to be in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so explain to people what the differences are between powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting or weightlifting, because I think a lot of people get those two terms confused when you, when you talk about powerlifting or talk about weightlifting, they assume they're the same sport, but they absolutely are not. So can you give, give people a primer on like, what are the differences between those two sports?
1: Yep. That's all right. And what's hilarious is that would be like our kettlebell, uh, like okay, I'm just saying you're trying to be nice, uh, but I'll tell you in the nicest way possible that you're wrong. Um so powerlifting um is this that's the SBD, the, the squat bench and the deadlift. That's uh gonna be where you perform those three movements you get three opportunities at each one uh, and the day is organized in that fashion you get uh, three squat opportunities to try to hit your best number uh single rep each same goes for the bench press and then the end of the day is the deadlift and the end of that is your total so that would be you know similar to kettlebell sport how many reps did you do what was your weight class and you know what what bells were you using um, weightlifting on the other hand interestingly enough would be actually the one that I don't know if this is important or not, would actually use the term of power versus just work. Um, but uh, the sport of Olympic weightlifting, one word, uh, is the clean and jerk and the snatch. Those are the two that you'll see in the Olympics. So while it technically doesn't have to be referred to as Olympic weightlifting, most people know it because you do see it in the summer games. Um, and the clean and jerk, just like kettlebell, is goes from the ground in this case not just below the below the knees to the shoulders and then up overhead whereas the snatch there's no contact with the shoulder you start with a wide grip on the floor muster up just as much slingshot power with your hips as you can drive the bell overhead and then uh, try to catch it low and stand up um so yeah but for single sports, rep, the fu- but fundamental
0: side. difference is that it is for single rep, yes. heaviest, heaviest weight you can uh, successfully secure and lock out overhead in both for both positions. Um, so yep. very very different That's from right, Kevin's sport in, in that re- in that regard because it is for maximal force output and not strength endurance, right?
1: Yep, that's exactly right. I describe this to people all the time for who have different goals and and such um, that I suppose if I'm being honest, I think that the best one for longevity is kettlebell sport because it uh, offers uh, not only a little bit of less of an opportunity for dramatic injury, though that's not the major concern. It parallels more of life activities. There are very few things in physical in, in our life and our physical um, endeavors day to day that you're gonna have to do one thing really hard and then somehow you've benefited from that. Uh, whereas just being able to work, 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 and do some more work, that can be valuable. Um, of course at the same time, that's not everything. Anyone who wants to be a powerlifter, anyone who wants to be a weightlifter, awesome pursuit. I highly encourage that. It's just different types of activities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It's, uh, I I mean, obviously I'm biased. I mean, we're both, we're both kettlebell sport aficionados. So, you know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely biased towards that, but I came from, a, I came from both powerlifting and Olympic uh, weightlifting. I, I've pursued both of those at various times in my life. So I think they, like you said, they all have value. Um, I'm curious, what's your, what's your thought on the CrossFit movement? Because it's obviously taking uh, a lot of olympic weightlifting in principle um, but removing it from the purity of a one rep max and going for time and, sp- and speed and repetitions over time so kind of similar to kettlebell sport sub-maximal load over time for these explosive movements what what are your thoughts on uh, you know the crossfit uh, application of uh, olympic weightlifting
1: so there are a couple of different ways to look at that one for one i am I'm one of those people that kind of made the transition from uh, CrossFit was great. Then it got really, really washed out, and like you know, photocopy of a photocopy, um, and I was really upset at it for a while. Um, And then kind of turned that corner, and I've I've I'm able to understand that crossfit itself is not necessarily something to love or to hate uh it's a branded exercise system of exercise and uh you know affiliated system of exercise so you can find some great crossfit gyms there were always going to be great gyms and you can find some terrible crossfit gyms that should never have been granted the license to try to get people into fitness so um the long-winded explanation to uh, you know a gym is a gym is a gym they just happen to have good marketing tools Um, but the CrossFit specific application of of Olympic weightlifting can be solid in principle because really all you're looking at doing is taking a series of movements uh, that your body can perform and challenging uh, how you move with a heavy load uh, overhead to the shoulders into a squat whatever Um, the danger comes in the lack of control and the lack of attention So the problem with weightlifting as a whole in something that's going to be high rep is you're looking at a greater incidence of potential injury. That's not to say that it's going to happen. You might have people do this their whole lives and never even have a muscle tweak. The problem is when you start to introduce intensity into volume and you start to go into something that's more than 100% of what your body can handle. So I love the intensity, I love the enthusiasm, and I love the use of the Olympic movements because anything compound, explosive and powerful like that is gonna benefit your body from a structural building perspective and uh, from a muscle growth perspective. The problem is if you know that you can, you know, snatch 60 kilos overhead uh and you can do that three times well what if you say well yeah but that guy over there can do it six times i'm gonna do it seven times all right fine i did it seven times last week i've got to hit a pr my life is meaningless i've got to do it nine times and that is where you might be outpacing your ability to perform the work and that's where a little bit more of a dramatic incident injury might lie
0: very well said i that i think you you nailed a lot of my perspective on it as well i'm I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat. Like I love it in principle. And I, I know some fantastic uh, CrossFit coaches and some fantastic cross, CrossFit boxes. You know, I, I have one close to my house here. There's, you know, several that are excellent around here. And then I've also had that same experience where I've had people come to me that are broken because they're like, yeah, I I, I snatched 135 you know, 135 pounds, you know, 14 times in 16, 16 seconds. I'm like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what <you> Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what are you, what are you doing? Well, I was competing. Right. We, were, we were going for time. It was a, you know, 30, 30 second max set, like. Yeah. <sighs> you know, and you get that, you just, just like, Oh, but I, I understand oh, the instinct yeah. though too. And it's, it's, it's one of those, like I, it's the double-edged sword of it. Like I appreciate the community of it and I understand the, the, the competitive aspect of it. And that's part of what makes it successful is it does tap into that human instinct of wanting to compete and you get people mm-hmm. that push themselves to these incredible achievements and they you know for a lot of people it's helped them transform their life but then you also have people that are deconditioned and have no business I mean they can't they can't even you know move themselves around a a dowel appropriately yet alone a a loaded barbell you know and that's the that's the 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 tricky part Um, so um, how do you guys approach assessment of clients when they when they come in when somebody when somebody comes to you and you're like um, yeah, cause I know you're, you're really big on healthy, functional movement patterns. I see you, the content that you put out there, uh, on, on Instagram. He's a great follow on Instagram, by the way, guys, you should definitely give him a follow. Um, but we, how do you guys assess people when they come in?
1: So when uh, we come in, we, we get more of an assessment with a personal training client because we can get through a, a whole series of movements. But we do have uh, something that we do with our, uh, class folks as well. Um, And it's mostly uh, involved in the mobility segment that we do in the beginning of the class. So the coach who is teaching the class, and they've only got eyes on a few people right now, thanks to our capacity limits, but safety first, um, we have whole series of mobility drills that the entire class goes through prior to the workout. Um, that are related to the workouts. So we have a squat specific uh, mobility day. We have a deadlift specific mobility day. I have several different types of kettlebell, upper body, lower body, full body mobility components. And it gives the coach an opportunity to look at all the individual clients moving. So you can see, all right, this person can barely get their back into flexion doing a cat cow. Uh, This person, um, you know, you try to do a uh, shoulder, a controlled articulated rotation with the shoulder going around like a windmill. And, you know, they're tracing like uh, uh, a a two-foot circle, uh, almost a full arm's length in their body. That means they're not going to be able to get their arms back far enough. And so we know what movements they're going to be able to handle, what movements they aren't. And in the event that it looks like there's some serious movement impingement or uh, joint inflexibility, the coach can spend more time with that person either working through Uh, You'd mentioned the dowel working through using like a PVC pipe or something like that just to make sure the movement is sound or figuring out adaptations so that, and this is where we have our, our double up component of it. I'm a big fan of adaptation Rather than even calling it regressions or just sticking someone off in the corner. So mm-hmm. we work with the uh, clients based on their mobility issues to be able to do something that is either an adaptation or a lighter variation uh, than everyone else in the class so that it doesn't feel like they're you know being singled out and that they're less capable. Uh, if somebody can't get the bar on their back to get their elbows up over there uh, and, and get their hands up in the bar without, you know, tweaking their shoulders, maybe what they're going to be doing that day is a really heavy series of goblet squats or double kettlebell rack squats. Um, and we even have some other types of bars, like a safety squat bar, um, so that they can perform the movement, you know, to a box, to, uh, you know, other, to various depths or to the pins and not put themselves in danger while they're learning that movement.
0: So you find not sticking them off in the corner is is a good idea. That's in general. That's, yeah. that's novel, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, nice you, that. Everyone
1: wants to be included. Can't, you can't you can't squat. Go stand in the immobile corner. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you you do wall sits for a while. That'll somehow make you better at squatting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like I like that. So it's it sounds like you guys have a have a pretty a pretty robust a pretty robust process of assessment and then customizing to that person's individual needs to to keep them progressing and is the is the goal to get everyone to be able to do a particular set of fundamental movements or is it really customized based on whatever that person's goals are
1: so i like to try to keep a really fluid aspect to that because my interpretation of fitness anyway um you know big, big apologies to any of our weightlifters and powerlifters listening in because i don't mean to uh, say that we're not all equally important but <laughs> the strength sports in general and i love my kettlebell sports are a really fun means to an end Um, our philosophy on fitness is essentially that we we fitness as an activity because we don't do physical labor anymore Um, the you know we have computers we have cars we have everything that does work for us but our bodies still need that physical stimulation uh and you know while you could get the same kind of strength and strength and muscle development from carrying a bunch of rocks and sticks around in a field it's a lot more fun to be able to use a barbell and kettlebells and other things, and be able to qualify and quantify your efforts and your progress. So, the uh, you know the the ridiculing idea, I guess, is it does not matter how much you squat that's not going to make you better at your job that's not going to make you better at your relationships it doesn't specifically make you healthier being stronger makes you healthier and so i honestly could care less if somebody is barbell back squatting that's just one of the easiest ways to load your body in a really heavy capacity if you know somebody hates 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 barbell squatting i might never have them barbell squat the entire time they're on RX. They might just be doing heavy loaded squats. They might just be doing deadlifts. They might just be doing zercher squats. Something that's gonna pique their interest and get them to be physically active while getting their body stronger. Um, that's honestly the most important thing for me. Um, nice. But as I rant on, we do indeed want everyone to be able to move properly. So I, the, the goal isn't necessarily be able to do the best barbell movement. The goal is to be able to move your body in any way that it is supposed to be able to move. And using loaded stimuli is one of the best ways to get your body to adapt like that.
0: Nice. That's a, uh, that's a really well articulated philosophy. Um, how how did you, how did you come up? How did you come about that? I'm assuming, I'm assuming it evolved over time. So let's, let's get into your, let's get into your background a little (laughs) bit as far as what, you know, how did you start getting involved in physical training Then educate, you know, what was your education and, you know, how, how did, how did you come to this philosophy?
1: (laughs) Yep, certainly. Um, okay. So I, I think that I came into the philosophy in a roundabout way because I was, uh, I would say once upon a time, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, I would say just physically a waste of space and com- totally incapable. Uh, when I got out of college, um, I didn't really have a background in fitness or, or strength training or anything. Um, I hadn't even really uh, taken sports seriously when I was in high school. I was a what, you what know, did you musician. study? What pro- did you study in college? Um, public relations
0: interesting okay i would have i would have just assumed that you you had some anatomy physiology you know exercise science something just because of the way you articulate all of the concepts that that you do so um i i shouldn't say i'm surprised but i i am surprised (laughs) just because it doesn't confirm my assumption but anyways come Ah, on that's (laughs) well, so that's that's good
1: (laughs) well thank you so the uh that's actually kind of a blessing because i Don't remember as much as I did when I was younger. I don't think I was taking my education or any kind of learning seriously uh, in the first half of my life. So um, I got, I did all of that later on. So I have indeed, uh, you know, done my biology. I've taken my uh, anatomy and physiology courses, um, exclusive of my college experience. So I took all those courses just so I would be a more well-versed coach, a stronger coach, Uh, and most of my strength training. Background and education comes from various certifications and experiences and things like that. So all the academic stuff. I did pick up from various schools around Boston uh, in courses that I took, uh, but most of it has been experiential. Um, So my I started off being fairly overweight. Um, I had gotten out of a PR job that I really didn't enjoy. Um, I, the only place I could go was to, you know, what my bosses were doing and I didn't want to do what they were doing. So, um, got into selling memberships at <clears throat> a Boston sports clubs, which is your average, uh, you know, big mill type commercial big gym. Box gym, um, big box. Exactly. Didn't, didn't You're even a do Globo that for gym. A year. We're better than you. And we know it. And we know it. <laughs> However, boy, are they not? I mean, uh, anyway. Um, so uh, got got working at this other gym in Cambridge, uh, doing the same thing. Uh, got talking to the guy who did the running club. Decided I was going to try to get back into running and uh, dropped a bunch of weight, ran some marathons. Running marathons is stupid, um, but uh, I know now. <laughs> And uh, then got into fitness and physical training and such, uh, kind of made a mentality shift. And I've been doing that ever since. So nice. initially, I was definitely all about just got to get stronger, got to do these cool looking things. Uh, we didn't have much social media at the time, but there were magazines and websites and Teen Nation and all that. Uh, and so um, over time, the, oh, yeah, the, 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 the number forum. one source of pro science. <laughs> 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 That's where you find all the best stuff.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. On the forums, especially.
1: Oh yeah, of course. That's, that's, uh, that's where the truth is found. Um, because anybody can post original. there. So, you
0: know, it's, you know, it's the best information. Only
1: people that really know their stuff right, take exactly. the time to post. It's the original fitness Q and on. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I got The more I got into kettlebells, the more interested I became in movement patterns rather than just let's see if I can lift this heavy barbell. I also found that I felt a lot better. I was moving a lot better. Uh, rarely were there any days that I was in pain. Soreness doesn't count. Uh, and so I started to develop a little <laughs> bit more of a concept of, uh, no pain, no gain is relative. You should have a little bit of soreness, but if you hurt all the time for no reason, you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, uh, as I, I tell my athletes, if, if
0: it sucks, I don't care. If it hurts, I care
1: very much. <laughs> Right, exactly. Start to learn the difference between that kind of hurts and this is about to hurt forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I got into a little bit more of the movement pattern stuff and uh, I talked to a bunch of guys. Um, Uh, You know, with with Kettlebell, uh, with uh, Kettlebells, I've been talking uh, to uh, initially Valeri Fedorenko with World Kettlebell Club. Um, I got involved with some other folks uh, just sort of in the local area. And we got to to know Kettlebells really well. And now recently I've been doing a lot more with um, Marcus Martinez and Kettlebell Kings. Um, So that's been that's been tremendous to be part of that uh, part of that group. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, other stuff as well. I. um, Doing a lot of stuff with uh, steel mace and clubs. I initially talked to um, Rick Brown and um, uh, Leo Rakitis, the uh, you know um, masters uh, of mace. Of the, yeah, masters of mace. Yeah, great guys, and they are all about that kind of movement pattern stuff too. And you know, it's been it's been a great thing to try to figure out, almost like a martial art. You know, my tool is the kettlebell. Someone's tool is the mace. We can use all these things, even a barbell. The goal is not can you lift this thing obviously you can lift that thing. If I look at a 10 pound mace, I can lift that. That might be tough for someone else. If I look at an 80 pound mace, that's going to be a bear for me to even hold straight up and down, but someone else might be able to swing that for 10 reps. Uh, And so the goal becomes how well can you move your body around your chosen implement uh, and how much weight can you handle before technique starts to break down, which it never should, but how it's, it's not about being stronger and being able to do more. It's about, Progressing, making your body adapt, giving it those stimuli that have a steady progression—not just "gee, I wonder if I can do this today." That's kind of a recipe for disaster.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, <laughs> then I shouldn't—I shouldn't admit that when I came out there and I saw your—I saw your uh, your uh, American flag log press. I was like, I have to—I <laughs> I have to do that. I just—I have to. <laughs> I hadn't done—I hadn't done log press in. God, I don't know how long it, it it had to have been at least five years since I had done a log press because I don't have a, a log yep. you know around but uh, I was
1: like well, you know, I have I, a
0: am i am I'm gonna load this up and I'm gonna do it and so I think <laughs> I think I did a 225 log press just to just to see yes. <laughs> to see if I could still
1: now, so I, that was a sweeping generalization I'm going to say, no, you should never just figure thing. You can see if you should do it. There is, you know, within reason, you know what you're going to be capable of. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think that long cyclers are, and, and people who know Kettlebell Double Jerk, are uniquely suited to just being able to pick up the log um, right away, even though I know you have experience. But, like, you you know there's, there is a, a margin for error. Yeah, so if you're, well, if you certainly, it you certainly it certainly was within yeah.
0: my comfort space because it wasn't like I saw somebody like doing parkour and I was like, I'm gonna try that. It was it was like, oh, I lift right. I lift heavy things like that's kind of my thing. So yeah, I'm gonna try that because
1: it's there. <laughs> right, exactly. I would fall to my death doing parkour even if it was like. A railing three feet above the ground.
0: <laughs> yeah, <right>. you, I, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't need to be on any of those fail reels of people trying to do parkour that have no business doing parkour. So I'm, that's definitely yeah, not going to be my not. thing yeah.
1: time. No, no. Amazed by the people that you see who do amazing things, but I can't help but think about the people you know, the 18 people who tried that yesterday and you're not going to see their video. Uh,
0: so. Well, it's, 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 To me, it's always like the, the risk reward thing too. It's like, okay, if I, if I decide I'm going to do a double 40, you know, clean and jerk on the, on the, uh, on the kettlebells, if I don't get the clean, I just drop them. Right. But if I'm like right. trying to do a backflip yeah. off of an eight foot cement wall and I, and I miss like, you end up in the ER. Like, you know, right, exactly. like the consequence of failure is, is very, very high. So it just doesn't, doesn't, yes, quite, that's right. doesn't quite seem worth it to me. I, I have that same issue when I see, like, just the what I call the stupid human tricks on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. they're cool, they're fun to watch. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's like, wait, why are you doing push ups with Olympic? olympic rings on top of the handle of a bell with one foot on the another bell like why i don't right yes i
1: don't understand the yeah. appeal exactly like that looks that looks really cool and everything i'm sure if i go back through my instagram there's a couple of things that are like why did i do that that doesn't really fit it with my foot but um um no that's very true the uh, uh i like the idea of progressing because your goal is to build something that will last over time And my biggest problem with things like training through the pain or, you know, uh, needing to go blood vessel popping, uh, you know, eyes bulging, this one last big rep is that that can change you for the rest of your life immediately in a very bad way. Uh, and so I love the idea of accessible and sustainable fitness. That's not to say the powerlifting and weightlifting can't be that, but the idea that you can do something that will make your body tougher, more bulletproof, thicker skin, you know, better bones, all of that. And the goal is to, you know, over the course of years and decades, you'll become better. You'll become stronger. You're not looking to impress the 10 people that are in the room right now. You're looking to impress yourself 30 years down the line.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And I've definitely been uh, both victim to and of that mindset of, you know, I got to be the strongest guy in the room. Why? Yep. Me too. It's, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very small room. And you know, it was one of those, you know, that's, but that's that, you know, an 18, 19, 20 year old mentality. Like I got to be the strongest guy here. And you know, it's like, okay, great. Yep, go to a, go right. to a bigger room. And you're the, you're the 20th strongest person oh, and when you start taking weight class into account, guess what? You're competing in the heavyweight weight class of powerlifting. If you're not fully geared up and pressing, you know, bench pressing 800 pounds and squatting a thousand are you're not even in the conversation. So.
1: Right. Exactly. And you should still be proud of what you can do. Yeah. Oh, it's just so high. And also, is it adding to, is it specifically adding to your life? Uh, You know, it's kind of like, I could low hanging fruit, some more things about, uh, you know, a a, uh, strength sport that could purportedly kill you, even though, you know, the people who practice that sport know better, but how much does it add to your life? In a weird, dissimilar fashion, like let's say somebody is, you know, really, really into, um, uh, I don't know, weaving baskets or playing video games. Um, those are things that you can do, and if they make you happy, that's certainly something you should enjoy. You'll, you can that that can pass the time, that can make you happy, that can make you better mentally. But there is that idea of does this, in general, make my life better? Uh, and so it certainly can. The answer can be yes to just about anything. It's just what does the what does it cost as well? Uh, if it's just time, could you be spending that time on something else? If it's potentially putting your health at risk, could you be doing a variation of this that means you're going to be, you know, uh, still doing this when you're 80? Um, you know, it's, what's the longevity like?
0: Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. I think I think it's very important uh, that we assess: uh, is the time well invested and is it sustainable? Yep. What I'm what I'm trying to do because I, I like the framework, yeah. the the filter. You know, is this enhancing in any way? Because if it's not enhancing yeah. in any way, then then it's wasting time. Uh, and time is our most precious resource. So don't yep, don't don't right. do things that waste that. So
1: yeah, um, exactly. High efficiency. I mean, we're talking about we're the people that will. Uh, pick up a heavy thing and then we'll do it again and then we'll do it again and then we'll do it again until like five or 10 or 30 minutes is up and then somehow we've accomplished. But I mean, you know, (laughs) um, we enjoy it.
0: But it's exactly. an invest it's an investment in being able to walk down the stairs when I'm 80 years old. That's the way I yes, look at that's it, right? Exactly like right. That's, yep. it's I'm, I'm paying I'm paying down <laughs> I'm paying down that loan <laughs> so that I can yeah. uh, I can so that I can stay active and healthy hopefully when I'm and still around uh, hopefully right. at that
1: at that point, is, you know, that's that's the goal. This for is your me. right, Your this is your physical capability stock market that you're <laughs> uh, you're investing in currently. Exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that. It's a it's my physical investment 401k. <laughs> I
1: need to be able to retire on this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have a very robust portfolio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Work, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, and we're trying yeah. to trim, trim the fat in certain areas. But uh, you know, yeah. that's neither here nor there. We'll 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 kill that analogy at this point.
1: <laughs> right now, that's right. Exactly. It's, that checks out. It totally works. But you know, you gotta gotta eat to grow too. So yeah. <clears throat> so I wanna
0: I I wanna make sure that we we talk about this because it's something that I've seen you post a lot about, and we talked about it before we started recording. Um, you know, obviously as a gym owner. You have invested, you know, your blood, sweat, tears, and a significant sum of money into opening your own facility. And you, from day one of the pandemic and the interventions, have been very open and supportive, for the most part, of the uh, stay safe initiatives that have been implemented in the Commonwealth. Um, but you've also recently had, had some pushback and, and spoken out against some of the regulations. What has that experience been like? I mean, as somebody who has invested so much of their, their life energy into building your dream, what does that feel like to, to have your gym shut down and to try and work around the restrictions? Like, what is that, what has that been like for you?
1: So it's such a tough one uh, because, and I'll I'll address specifically that there are two different responses, like you said, that we had. There was the early one that we were very much in support of our state and uh, local leadership's handling of the situation because we just didn't know enough. And the last thing I ever want to be is, uh, the second to last thing I ever want to be is a hypocrite. The very, very last thing I ever want to be is a danger to others. And so, you know, where there were a lot of people that were shouting about gyms and being good for mental health and, you know, you're going to be have a better immune system if you're, if you're healthier. So gyms are essential. That language and that idea doesn't really track. Um, yes, your immune system is probably going to be a little bit stronger if you're healthy and fit, but not because I worked out yesterday. Uh, and it's certainly not going to be enough to help your body fight off pathogens that are completely brand new and unseen. Um, you know, that's that science is obvious. Um, the, the other element to that is yes, mental health is important. I really agree, but at the same time, other people's lives and health are equally, if not more important, I, I shouldn't say more equally important. And to say that we need to keep open the thing that I enjoy so that others can take the risk is not an equitable exchange. Um, So our position early on was, yeah, we don't know anything about this virus. They're learning things every day. What they knew last week has completely changed because they learned something else. We don't know enough. Everyone's got to take the the highest possible precautions. um, You know, let's just try to go online and just make this work. Um, And then we went through months and months of that. Um, We did the online thing. We had very few people in the gym at a time when we were allowed to. uh, And then eventually uh, we had protocols in place that meant we knew this virus was mostly airborne, mostly um, uh, expelled from, you know, droplets and particles from the lungs and from the human body. So wear masks, have the air purifiers around, have fresh air constantly throughout the gym, clean everything constantly, keep people apart. These are all things that we knew were working. And so thanks to that, we haven't seen a single case come out of the gym um the problem that we faced recently is that our city and spe- uh, specifically along with boston another town nearby um said that when the state was backing off about 10% from 50% to 40% on what gyms could be uh can, how, how gym's capacity limits they um decided that they were just going to shut us down uh and on paper the idea of gyms being super spreaders doesn't really make a whole a lot of sense anymore because especially because we know the steps that we can take to be safer and then we're not seeing those same steps being taken by restaurants and bars and other indoor facilities uh, who have higher traffic um uh, higher traffic volumes and significantly lower uh, perspectives on how people should behave you know you can't eat with a mask on i guess you'll just have to take your mask off that's fine but that does still mean transmission potential is higher um so we were singled out, and I'll sort of nerd off on the details here. Uh, details were, uh, data was released by the state of Massachusetts from November 5th to December 8th, which includes that obnoxious Thanksgiving travel <clears throat> surge. And it turns out that, so I get this one, you know, I like to try to get this whole thing together every time. We had 40,770 new cases in Massachusetts. And recreational and cultural services encompasses, <clears throat> here we go, gyms, fitness facilities, swimming pools, beaches, movie theaters, and casinos all collectively contributed 17 new cases to the 40,770. So even if we were looking at gyms being a major part of this, which they can't possibly be, we're also lumped in there with casinos and movie theaters. So I think it was something like uh, 0.29% of all new cases came from gyms fitness facilities swimming pools beaches movie theaters and casinos which isn't even a third of a percent so we're not super spreader sites uh my biggest fear is that uh you know the some of the gyms shut down but it just creates a false sense of security for anyone in the area because oh good they're doing something about it but Nothing is really being done about it. It's a red herring. You don't actually get anything done. It it lulls people into false sense of security. And then they go back to doing the things that they did, like household gatherings, which were the major super spreader events. So there's my soapbox. uh, But that was where we sort of started to be a little bit non-compliant. Um when they said we had to shut down, we simply followed the guidance of the state and reduced our capacities. Uh that's down to uh ten athletes uh, or ten people, including the coach in the space at one time. Um and you know, it's tough, but we're gonna make it work.
0: Yeah, and that's I I can't I can't imagine um, you know, I, I had my gym here in the Twin Cities for a while, but you know, I, I got out of that for, you know, a decade ago. I can't imagine at that point having invested my life savings to open uh, the facility. I can't imagine being told you have to close, (laughs) and like uh, you know, the 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 emotional distress that that must cause. And then the 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 thing that really irks me, I think, the most about it is you have this kind of binary response. You have people that are like, "Um, "Well, we need we just need to shut everything down, and we just need everybody just needs to stay home, and we need to do nothing." And then you have the other, the other side, you have the people like, no, everything needs to stay open. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not not, going to listen And you know, it's like, no, there has to be a, like, there, there has to be some level of intelligent discourse around this. Because like, you know, to your point, like a casino's risk profile is significantly higher than your risk profile. A restaurant's risk profile is, is, is higher because like you said, you have to remove your mask to eat or drink. You don't have to remove your mask while you work out. Right. And like, you guys were compliant with the, with the regulations that were being passed on to you by the scientists who were studying it and you know it's just I I, I struggle yeah. with I struggle with the you know where do we find the right nuance to it because you know I've had this same conversation with other people you know trying to explain they're like well why is McDonald's open and the gym isn't you know and I think you got to it kind of earlier Is like well food technically is essential even if it's terrible crappy you know terrible yeah. crappy quality food it's still food and everybody needs to eat not everybody needs to work out and you you know you talked about latency of of in, of effect you know based on the intervention right you're not going to be healthier immediately from starting to work out but you will get sick immediately if you catch the virus right so it's like there's there's all of these factors yeah. and it's it's not an easy it's not an easy solution but i just i no, feel like no. i feel like the inability to have nuanced conversation around it has led to um Re, a very reactionary, very polarized uh, and frankly, and frankly, stupid, uh, response on both sides. I mean, I, 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 I think it is stupid for somebody to be like, we just need to do nothing. Everybody needs to stay home the entire time. It's like, well, we've, we've done that, but that we can't do that for forever. (laughs) And we also can't have the like, well, we should just be able to do whatever we want. Don't tread on me. It's like, well, no, there, we have a responsibility to others as well. So, you know, I don't don't know what the, I don't know what the right answer is there, but I find it, uh, I, I find it incredibly, incredibly challenging.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, so the the best answer that I think I could probably offer is um, if we had more of a type of industry coalition, this is actually something that we did early in the pandemic, we wrote a plan, Um, I I helped to co author a plan for the state uh, for fitness facilities reopening, because we cared about them actually being safe. And then we uh, edited that plan, and I presented that to Somerville, and they they pretty much used our plan. Uh, and so what we've been doing, I like to think, is kind of an industry leader. We have the capacity and the ability to totally refresh the air in the space. We have a CO two monitor to just ensure that we don't get above a certain, uh, you know, parts per million. Six fifty is our is our goal because the CDC wants eight hundred. Um, and we've got uh, these air purifiers that uh, are completely scrubbing the air in 30 minute periods every, you know, throughout the day and everyone's mandated to wear masks. So it's like, it's almost impossible for any of this by the virus to be spread. So for our city to just turn around and say, Nope, you're the ones, shut them down. And it's like, but we showed you what we were doing. We want other people to do this. If you're shutting us down, then no one will do the right thing because the role that that model isn't there. Uh, we want, we just want the opportunity to show people that it can work uh, and that this is, you know, it's expensive and it's kind of time consuming and kind of takes up most of your life, but it can be done so that we can all survive in the short term and, um, or I'm sorry, in the long term and not get anyone sick while we're doing it.
0: And and am am I correct in assuming that you didn't receive any assistance to do those interventions? You did them out of your own pocket just to keep your, keep your business going.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. The uh, the air purifiers may or may not be $1,000 each. We have four of them. Uh, we've got an $1,800 sanitizing backpack. Had to buy a whole bunch of stuff to create barriers, uh, you know, giant air circulation machine to try to get the air refreshed in the space. Uh, we go through a lot of sanitizing spray. Um, it's become like, I, I try not to think about all the things that that money would have done for the gym uh, and all the equipment we could have bought. But I mean, since we're kind of in the middle of we don't get to keep that money, but we do get to stay open, at the very least, it means that we will hopefully be alive at the the end of all this and we'll be able to go back to all those nice things we were just talking about earlier.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, thank you very much for taking a leadership position in the industry and advocating for a common sense approach and trying to be a counterfactual argument, you know, that everybody could see what, what could be done. (laughs) Um, I I, I really, I really applaud your leadership position because it's not an, it's not an easy thing to do and and to early on say, okay, I I agree. And then in the face of new data, say, I no longer agree. (laughs) that, that, That is a, that is a very, um, intellectual intellectual and appropriate response i think so i want to applaud you for for the leadership that you're showing in that and what's uh what's next for you guys i mean how are you guys doing how can how can people how can people support you you know how are how are things going
1: oh well thank you um so we're we're doing somewhat okay um the our membership is still there it's not as big as it was we're we're you know at a at a slightly higher than half fraction of where we were pre-pandemic. And the classes, we really can't have more than four people at a time. I've been really lucky in that my kettlebell classes, I usually have no more than three or four people with me at the gym when I'm teaching them at night, but I've usually got six, seven, eight people joining me, excuse me, online. And so I'm teaching between them and my folks in the gym and a screen so I can still be I can still do all this. Uh, a bunch of our folks went out and got a whole bunch of uh, you know, new toys from Kettlebell Kings. Uh, and so the the Internet has indeed helped with this sort of thing. Uh, if anybody wanted to hop on and start taking my Kettlebell at Home classes, that would be a big support. And awesome. I'd also like to make you friends. <laughs> um, okay. But uh, in general, you know, if you're in the Boston area. As soon as the <laughs> sanctions are lifted, uh, we'd love to have you at the gym. We'll, uh, and we'll keep you safe.
0: <laughs> what the, So, so for the kettlebell classes, tell people a little bit, uh, more about what, what style are they, what, you know, how, what times are they and we'll, we'll make, get me a link and I'll make sure that it's in the show notes so people can, people can join you.
1: Certainly, that would be great. So, um, I admit, uh, while kettlebell sport is like my baby, my, my my life, and kettlebells, most of what we're doing is is a fitness approach. So, um, every class has has a mobility component, then a warm up, uh, and then we do a heavy strength component, and then a conditioning component, and core if we have time, because who doesn't like abs? Um, it's kind <laughs> of like a like an all in one fitness approach, and it kind it really goes toward the idea that. You can indeed get everything you need out of a kettlebell or a set of kettlebells. All we're doing is recreating a lot of the stimuli that you would ha- you would find in a powerlifting or weightlifting program, a group exercise class where all you're looking to do is feel the burn, uh, and you know other various types of conditioning and movement-oriented stimuli, so that you get everything in this delicious sandwich of fitness. And <laughs> it's been working really well. Nice. And how uh, long, that, are, and how long are the classes? I would love to say an hour, but I usually run over about 10 minutes, but it's at the end of the night, so it's not a big deal. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. So, you know, an hour to an hour and 20 minutes, we'll say Matt. you know, max, yeah, exactly. max time investment, which when you don't have a commute, uh, you know, and yeah. and they only they only need one bell, right? You only need obviously multiple bells to, of different weights is ideal, but you only yep. need one, right?
1: Yep, that's correct. So a lot of what we do, because I have several clients who only have the one bell, we do I do a lot with explaining uh tempo variation and generating tension. So, if you only have an eight kilo bell, for example, and we're supposed to be doing, uh, you know, uh, working up the heavy sets of eight squats, what I'll have them do instead is. Possibly add some more reps if that's really what they're into or generate tension against the bell. So try to squeeze the bell together with your arms and pull the handle apart with your, with your hands. uh, And then generate tension into the ground. Like you're pulling yourself away from a force and then squeezing the ground with your feet and driving away as though you're in a leg press um, rather than just bouncing up and down in a goblet squat. Um, So generating more tension, even though you're not carrying more load can stimulate the same kind of uh, adaptation from your nerves from your muscles so that they will grow because of that pressure it's not necessarily just because of the weight so that's one variation on the adaptation and then you know all, all other sorts of things you can work with tempo you can slow it down so that the movement costs you more um, it's just all about getting your body to do a little bit more with the tools that you've got and I as you couldn't tell from me talking so much today <clears throat> rather verbosely explain how that's supposed to go down so uh, you know those Coming in here in the dark.
0: That's awesome. I well, I I I think you are not verbose. I think you're at the appropriate level of, <laughs> of talkative. So it's why. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> it's always it's always a lot more fun to to have conversations with people who also talk. So I I appreciate <laughs> I, I think appreciate that's what we got your along articulate nature. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we blocked an hour and we're we're coming right up against that. So I just want to ask. You know, uh, as far as for 2021 what what are your big hopes for for 2021 and what are your what are your focuses and what are your intentions this year i won't say well, resolutions obviously. because i don't believe in resolutions but what are what are what <laughs> nope, are you what are I. you focused on what are what are your intentions what are your goals this year
1: exactly you should be getting better all the time at a steady rate that's what we do um, so uh, everything we're doing is sort of hinging around the idea that we may in- indeed be able to vaccinate properly and get uh, get this virus thing behind us. But a big um, a big thing we're gonna surge toward is getting the classes back in session. I'm gonna keep the kettlebell fitness thing going and then get the kettlebell sport program back up and, and running a little bit more. Uh, but one of the things that we have been building towards for the past couple of years that we were expecting to be in the building phases of right now uh, is opening another facility across the country. We're still looking toward opening oh. a second RX strength training in California.
0: Oh, Where is, is, it, is it double secret still? Or, or is there a particular geolocation in California that you're, that you're looking at?
1: Nope. I, uh, I like to tell as many people as I can so that I am a little bit more responsible to making sure it gets done. Um, we're looking mostly at uh, Orange County area. Uh, nice. There's tons of gyms in LA and but we really like the, the laid back vibe down there. It's, you know, it's near a bunch of different types of communities and I don't need to be somewhere fancy. I don't need to be near, I don't know, for lack of a better, you have uh, a fancy dog. I point. mean, Oh, he is so fancy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> little foot. That's right. He's doing well. He's, he's, uh, he's got his, he's got his third round of chemo tomorrow, but he's, he's straight, he's soldiering through it like a champ.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Well that's yeah. awesome. When, so what's the uh what's the target opening date for for Orange I mean I guess it's going to depend Lart, but you know assuming assuming yep. mid midsummer we turn the corner on vaccination what's the what's the target for opening an Orange County location?
1: Well it'll be a little bit of uh checking to see where the finances are because a so little bit of it got drained in trying to keep the you know keep the current general afloat. Um but I'd like to think that we can probably still get it done within a year year and a half. Yes. Uh the initial target had been pretty much now. Yeah. Uh, and since that all got dashed, um, I figure if we're, if we're pushed off a year, we'll be lucky. But I think if we, if we work really hard 18 months, isn't an appropriate guess.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm glad I asked because that's a huge goal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. That's really, that's really, that's really exciting. So good luck. I, oh, hope, I hope it, uh, I hope it comes to fruition. And like you said, I hope we, I hope we get this uh, vaccination program ramped up and uh, get some shots into arms and you know every, then we can stop yep. having the the debate about what's the right interventions and we can just uh, get back to some semblance of a new normal hopefully
1: yep that's that's right and get back to uh, being able to build more do more affect more people in a good way and uh, yeah and we can all get stronger things. together that's right exactly <laughs> We like that stuff.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And I look forward to seeing you in person again, hopefully in the not too distant future. I'll, I'll get back out there to Boston and uh, and we'll go lift some heavy stuff together.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Jordan. It was really, really a pleasure and an honor being on the podcast. I love, I love your stuff. And uh, as soon as we get that gym open in uh, California... One of the first things we'll do is have you out there to do maybe like an, an on-site podcast. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be awesome. I would love that. Thank you very much. Of course, California is fun. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely.
0: <warm>. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jeff. We'll talk soon, man.
1: Right. Thanks, Jordan. See you.
0: See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. I'm Jordan Kundi wright if you have a question, please email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub, on Twitter at TCKBClub, online at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. And please help us grow our reach and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.